your heart and I will open your eyes and you shall see great and mighty things of my kingdom. that goes so deep 
from that abuse and that woundedness. And God, in his wisdom and in his mercy, he removes that a level at a time. And, you know, a lot of times we think, well, I'm over this now. I'm healed of this now and everything's good. But then something else will rise up. Another trigger will occur. You know, and then you find yourself in that spot again, and now you're asking different questions. But why? Why? How could? And, you know, those are things that many of us are not going to have the answer to. But God has that answer. And the Lord told me one time, he said, I will use you. And I said, but God, why will you use me? And he said, because you have tasted of suffering and sorrow. And you know what? If that's what it took for God to use me, then so be it. Because I did suffer and I had sorrow. But now I have joy and I have peace and I have healing and I have the salvation of my soul. And some of you may not be at that place yet, but God will bring you to that place and he will heal you. And he will cause those things to rise. And so many times when I would take and I would look at my abuser and say, how could you do that? It was like I would have that finger pointing back at myself. How could you do the sins that you did? How could you commit those things? How could you hurt other people? And you know, so every one of us are sinners, regardless of what sin that is. And I saw, like my abuser, I saw the guilt that he carried. I saw the, you know, repentance, you know, God bringing repentance and him asking me to forgive him. You know, so I saw those things happen. I saw what he carried as a result of the way that he lived his life. You know, and so a lot of these people that wound us, we don't even know where they're at, where they came from. They're even shocked at why they acted the way that they did. I, I said, why? He said, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I abused, you know. But um, it's like God brings that healing anyway. And um, I got saved. It'll be almost 37 years. And it's been the best 37 years of my life. And... Uh, we take and we witness to people, and we get frustrated because they don't get saved or they're not listening. And um, my marriage was in a mess. We were fighting like cats and dogs, and it was starting to get physical. And I, and I was so full of anger. And I wasn't just angry at him. I was angry at me. I was angry at the world. And... We had lived in Tennessee. My sister-in-law was down there, and we had some trouble with her. And one day I told my husband, I said, if she steps a foot on my grass, I will kill her. And I meant that. And that was not me. I used to be this sweet little Connie that never said a word to anybody, you know, stuffed everything in. And I said that one day. And then we moved back to Michigan, and my mother said, you are not the same Connie anymore. You are mean. 
you know, and I did. I became very bitter, very angry, and very mean. And when I would pick up the Bible to read it, I would go, God, I can't do this. This is too hard. You know, and then got things got so bad in my home that I ended up telling Pat, I said, you know, we need God, or we need to go to church. And he says, we don't need that. You know, this isn't going to happen anymore. We're not going to fight like this anymore. And then he went to Tennessee on a vacation with my dad for two weeks. And uh, while he was gone, a friend of mine that I used to, um, I don't like to say, you know, do things I shouldn't have been doing with, uh, she, you know, she ends up telling me that her husband found out what she was involved in. And he said, if you ever do that again, I am taking these girls away from you. And I'm leaving you. And he said, and you are not hanging out with anyone that you were doing this with. That included me. And she told him, she said, well, what about Connie? I approached her. And he said, well, you can still hang out with her, but nobody else. <laughs> and then she witnessed to me. Uh, I said, well, Mike, what are you going to do now? And she said, my marriage is in God's hands. And when I left her house that day, I said, God, she must have got saved, because I'd never heard her talk about God before. So I'm going to get saved, too, because she hit the target with me because my marriage was falling apart. And I wanted my home healed and my relationship healed. And I knew that I needed God to do that. So she ended up asking me to church. And I told God before that, I said, you know, Lord, make her ask me to church. I said, because if she asked me and I said, and I tell her I'll go, I'll go because I'll keep my word. So I called her up. She's taking my daughter. And I said, well, maybe I'll go. She didn't even ask me, you know. So I said, okay, God. She says, if you want to go, be ready. And so I said, okay, God, um, I'm going tomorrow to that church. I'm going down to that altar and I am getting saved because I am not living like this anymore. And I said, I don't care who sees me. I don't care what they think about me. And before, I wouldn't go to an altar because I was embarrassed because people are going to think you're a sinner, and they're going to want to know what you did. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up going to that little church, and when I walked in, it was Bethel, you know, the sister church to here. And the people had their hands raised up in the air. And I looked at that, and I just cried and cried. And I said, God, that people could love you that much that they're not ashamed to lift their hands up in front of other people and say that they love you. And I stood there and I cried and cried and it was an Easter Sunday and they didn't have an altar call but they had communion. And at that church, you know, a row at a time went up to the altar and the uh, deacons would serve you communion. So I knelt up there and I said, God, I have sinned against you. And I am sorry. And I ask you to forgive me. And I know what this grape juice and I know what this bread represents. And so I repented at that altar. And when I got up from there, I was totally changed. All of that sin lifted off of me. I knew that I was forgiven. My heart was completely changed. And when I walked out the door of that church, I could see the green trees and the leaves. I could hear the birds singing. I could see the beautiful blue sky. And it was just so amazing to me 
because you do not know what you're going to get when you accept Jesus and you repent of your sins. But you get this cleansing and this relationship and your eyes open. And I was just so happy. And uh, so then I come home and, and I knew that Pat, I had to tell Pat, he was in Tennessee. And when he called me up, he asked me, what have you been doing? And I would usually tell him I've been out bar hopping with my friends, you know. And uh, he, I said, I've been to church. <laughs> and so I knew that I had to tell him that I got saved. And um, so he ended up coming home and he gave the kids gifts. And then he, I told him, I said, Pat, I got saved. And he hugged me and he said, I know that you did. And then he took this little plaque out of a bag. And on it, it said, a woman was made from the rib of a man. Not out of his feet to be trampled upon, not out of his head to be over him, but out of his side to walk with him. And he gave me that plaque. And so that began the healing in our home. And I thought that Pat would be the first one saved because when I had first started dating him, he knew that I went to church. Well, it was a Mormon church, you know, which is false believers, false teachings. But the people were really wonderful. Mm -hmm. And he'd tell me, uh, you know, Connie, if you ever want to go to church, I'll go with you. Well, when I got married and I got out of my home because my dad was so strict, I did not want church. You know, I wanted to get out in that world and do stuff, you know, which was a big mistake. But anyway, that, that started bringing about the healing in our home. And the kids and I, we prayed for Pat for 19 years. And it was like so many different times, different things would happen, and we would say, this is it. This is what's going to bring him to get saved. This is what's going to bring him to get saved. And one time I was very foolish early on, and I made the mistake of saying, hearing somebody else say, well, I've been waiting all these years. And I said, God, I will not wait that many years. I said that with my mouth, you know. Well, here I ended up waiting 19 years. But let me tell you, it was worth the wait. You know, and even over the years, Pat, I, I could tell you that he pretty much changed as I was going along too. But those were the years that I grew the most. Those were the years that the enemy uh, really tried to come in and attack our home. And uh, one of the lies that the enemy told me early on was that he does not love you. You know, he doesn't love you anymore. And he said, he only married you for your dad's boat. And I believe the lie, you know, because he'd go fishing with my dad all the time or hunting with my dad all the time, and he wasn't with me, you know. So I believe the enemy's lies. And so over the years, as we had trouble, uh, you know, the enemy would throw that in my face constantly. And so and, and I was this wounded person that had came out of abuse, so I had all of these fears and everything in me, so I automatically just started fearing him too, you know. And it wasn't anything to do with him. It was something that I carried myself. And he was actually shocked one day when I came in, you know, 30 minutes later than what I had told him. And he said, what's wrong with you? You know, he's like, why are you so, like, upset or so afraid that he would be mad? You know, but it was because that's the way that I grew up. So I realize now that I carried a lot of garbage into that. I did a whole lot of crying in that because of being so wounded 
And he was, he was like he couldn't win, you know, because of me being such an emotional person and getting upset over everything that he said or he did, you know. And uh, so as, uh, you know, we're continuing on this journey, the one day I was praying and I was hurt and God told me, he said, he is not your enemy. He is your friend and he loves you. And so I believe that because God spoke against the lie that the devil had told me that I had thought and believed all of those years. And so the one day was our anniversary. He was going to take me to eat. And um, I don't hear from him or anything. He's out running around with the guys. And I said, well, I'm not sitting here waiting on him. I'll just go <coughs> get something myself. So I took off to get myself something to eat for my anniversary. And uh, while I'm driving, the enemy says to me, he doesn't love you. And I said, oh, yes, he does. Because God said that he loves me. He loves me. And then I said, but Lord, you know, it would be nice if he brought me flowers. I haven't had flowers in a long time. So I got my carry out, came home, he's home. I opened the door and on the coffee table says flowers. And I started crying. And he looked at me and he goes, well, I'm late because I was at the florist getting your flowers. <laughs> so, and I just looked at him and said, you don't even know, you know because that was that lie that the enemy had told me, and he tried to slip back in again. So those were a lot of things that, you know, I had went through. Uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about and share tonight was about words. And words are so powerful, yes. and they can be used for the good or for the evil. And words are things that are like curses. You know, they put curses on you. Like uh, a lot of times a parent might, might say, what's wrong with you? Can't you do anything right? You know, or you're stupid, dummy, you know, a nerd. People like, like with me, when I was growing up, my mother was Japanese. It was after the war. And so those kids that we grew up around, they called us dirty chaps. And do you know the harm that that causes to a kid? It makes you feel ashamed. It makes you feel like you're not as good as that other person. You know, and so those were, and I was ashamed of my mother because she was Japanese. So it's her fault that this is happening to me. And I even refused to eat rice because I thought, <laughs> if I eat rice, I'll be more Japanese. But see how a kid thinks? I mean, just from someone saying something to them to make them feel ashamed of who they are. You know, and I never would tell my mother because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. So you fast forward a few a few years. That was in Tennessee. They were very prejudiced. We're in Michigan. My brother and sister are younger, five and six years younger than me. They come running home. They're in elementary school. Mom, these kids were calling us dirty chaps. And she said, you listen to me. Those people are ignorant. You be proud of who you are. People say those things, do not pay any attention to them. And I looked at my mother and I could see the pride that she had in who she was and her heritage. And I said, God, I wish I would have told my mother a long time ago, you know, what was happening because then that would have helped me to stand up for who I was. So words 
they really bring a lot of harm. And a lot of times we say these words about ourselves. You know, like, I'll never overcome that. I can't get up in front of people and talk. You know, I can't testify to those people. And then we'll say things like, I wish I was dead. You know, what am I even here for? Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. And when you say those things, you open up a door for the enemy to come in and torment you with those things. And so you have to recognize. And so I would encourage you to pray and ask God, what are some of those things that I have said out of my mouth that has brought a curse on me or opened a door for the enemy to come in and torment torment me with it? And when you pray and you ask God, God will show you, you know, a lot of those things that we've done and that we've said. And I can remember a time going to a class and they were talking about how, you know, we hurt other people by the things that we say. And I thought about my kids. And I said, what kind of things have I said to my kids? And so when I went home, I took and I set my daughter on the counter. And she was about five years old. And I said, I want to uh, apologize to you if I've ever said or done anything that hurt you. And she started crying. And she ended up telling me something that I had said to her. And it wasn't something that was meant to harm her. But the enemy had taken it and turned it into that. Mm -hmm. And so I was so thankful when she told me that. So it's a good idea to ask your children, even your older kids, mm -hmm. you know, if I have ever son or said or done anything <coughs> that has hurt you or wounded you, please tell me because I want to apologize. And I told my daughter, I'll go with you to counseling because, you know, she was going one of them. And, and I said, if you need me to go, I will go. And uh, over, she said, no, 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 Mom, everything's good. Well, then she ended up telling me she wanted me to come. And I just went through this attack of the enemy. She's going to tell them you were a horrible mother. She's going to tell them, tell you that you did this and you did that. And when I went there, and I prayed before that, and the Lord ended up telling me, no, that's not what it is. He said, you were too hard on her. You expected too much of her. And when you got saved, you expected her to live the same Christian life that you lived. And she doesn't have that relationship with me yet like you have. So when I went there, I did a whole lot of apologizing. And I could see the wrong that I had done and the harm that I caused. But there were other things, too, that happened that she brought up that I was able to explain why I did that. And then it was like with her, it brought healing because she knew that it was something that was a good reason why I had done that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just encourage you to talk to your children, even your mates, you know, and let them know. And uh, like my husband, <laughs> I've put him through a lot. But uh, I even told him, you know, he had went away for a weekend, and he writes in this book, uh, I love my kids, I love my job. There's nothing about his wife. And I said, you didn't say anything about me. He goes, you're just getting out of control with this. This is not what that is. And uh, he said, uh, I said, well, I just need attention. He goes, well, then just tell me that. 
<laughs> so, so now if I need attention, I'll tell him, I need some attention. You know, and then he'll give me the attention. <laughs> but I hope I'm not rambling. <laughs> but anyway, um, Hebrews chapter 5. No, it's Hebrews chapter 12, and it's verses 5 and 6 and 10. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord loves, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share his holiness. And so, you know, when you've grown up kind of in abuse, it's just like uh, you don't want to ever do anything wrong. You spent your life walking on eggshells and stuff, and then when you come to God, if you make any kind of mistake or you sin or anything, it's like you're under that condemnation and you put yourself back on those eggshells. God's mad at me, and then it'll take you a week or two to come out from underneath that. But God says, hear that. Because I love you, I correct you. And over time, as I matured more in God, I came to the place of where I was saying, thank you, God. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you for showing me that I had pride in my heart. Thank you for showing me that I said the wrong word or I did the wrong thing. Thank you for showing me that I have a bad attitude, you know, that this is not that other person. This is me. And so uh, discipline can be a good thing. And so the Lord, you know, he gave us, us his word so that it will bring that discipline to us. And the word of God is uh, a cleansing. Every time my thinking gets out of line and I pick up that Bible and I start to read it, you know, it just uh, cleanses me and it washes me and it gets me in that place of right standing again. And that's why the enemy doesn't want us in that word because it's going to keep us clean. It's going to keep us in tune and in line, in alignment with God and what he desires to do. And it will also, when you read that word and it cleanses you, you know, it cleans out all of that clutter and all of that worldliness and all of that chatter that you hear the world saying and all of that anger and that animosity and, you know, just that backbiting and gossiping and bitterness and everything that's spewed out all over this world. So when you stay in that word, it takes and it cleanses you and it purifies you. And it just makes you closer to God. And just spending this time in his word, uh, preparing for this, it was like I was just constantly praying and constantly repenting, constantly repenting because I could see things that I'd opened the door to and I'd allowed in my life. You know, and so it feels so good to have that cleansing and that refreshing of the Lord. And I believe that that's what his word is there for, to cleanse us and to refresh in us. So if you feel kind of stagnant and kind of out of alignment, then get back in that word and start reading those scriptures and let them cleanse and purify your mind. Okay, and then in uh, Numbers 13, verse 30 to 32, this was where um, the Lord had told Moses to send spies into Can Canaan and spy out the land. And so they chose 12 to go in. When they came out, there were... Ten that brought an evil report, and two that brought a good report. And so, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than us. And they, they brought up an evil report. 
And then Numbers 14, 1 and 2, all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept all night. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even the wilderness, they complained. And so you see where um, they were out of their mouths, were murmuring and complaining. After God had delivered them out of Egypt, parted the Red Sea, you know, provided provisions for them, they were still murmuring and complaining. And sometimes we can find ourselves in that place too. And so this is a reminder to recognize that whenever you're murmuring and complaining and be thankful for what God has done and all of his provisions. And murmuring and complaining grieves God's heart and it grieves the Holy Spirit. And uh, so God wants us to get that out of our lives. And, you know, murmuring and complaining are an enemy to faith. You know, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so when we get in that place of where we're murmuring and complaining, you know, really, haven't you seen the more that you talk to somebody and the more you complain about the situation, the heavier you get, the more doubt you have, the life of God is just sucked right out of you. And so whenever we take and we turn around and we start to use our faith, wait a minute, God provided this for me and this for me. God's the one that opened the door and gave me this. It gave me this home and gave me this job. God's the one who delivered me from this. God's the one who set me free. You know, and you begin to rehearse and speak back those things that God has done for you. And then you're going to defeat that murmuring, complaining spirit. And then also notice in there that uh, they were saying... If only we had died in Egypt. Oh, my God. Woe is me. You know, and we get ourselves in that place, too, don't we? We're going to start feeling sorry for ourselves, you know. And um, so it, that is an enemy to faith, too. Uh, Self-pity is a spirit. And that is a spirit that can run through family lines. And if I take a look at my family, I can see certain things that run throughout our family line, and self-pity was one of them. And, you know, you can have a pity party every now and then, but you better get yourself out of it real quick, you know, because we all go through those times where we're in discouragement, you know, we're disappointed, and then we start to get in that self-pity. But um, it's not a good thing. All it does is bring you down, so you have to fight and resist that. I remember many years ago my friend and I went to visit her sister who had had a breakdown and so I was there trying to talk her and to her and encourage her and she says I was a bad mother and I was this and I was this and I was this and everything was negative and everything was woe is me and I'm trying to say good things to her and encourage her and give her scripture and stuff like that and then whenever we left my friend said to me Connie what were you doing I said well I was trying to encourage her and she goes Connie that was a spirit then I went Oh, my God, it was. And so then when I went home, the next day, you know, I was there cooking something for my husband. And so he gets his plate, and he starts complaining about his eggs. And then he's like, I'm going to take off and go here or there. And he walks out kind of like he's upset. And then I went, he doesn't love me. And I started saying all of these things that were full of self-pity. And then all of a sudden I sat there, and I went, what are you doing and I went, God, did that spirit leave her and come to me? <laughs> you know, is that what it was that transferred to me? Wow. 
And so then I went and I knelt down by my couch and I said, you spirit of self-pity, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I command you to get off of me, hovering over me, touching me, and I command you to get out of me in Jesus' name. And I literally felt that thing leave me. And see, that was an iniquity or a curse that followed through my family line. You know, and so self that self-pity spirit is also a spirit that will manipulate you. When someone carries that spirit, they're always saying something to make you feel sorry for them. Well, you know, I don't know where I'm going to get my next meal. And I don't have a shirt on my back. You know, I don't have this. I don't have that. You know, well, do you want to spend time, you know, with with me because I'm just here by myself and you know yes of course you want to spend time with that person of course you want to help people but don't take and say things to me to heap guilt all over me so you can manipulate me into doing what you want me to do and you know once you um, pick up on that self-pity spirit you recognize it in other people and a lot of times, they don't recognize it in themselves. And so, if it hadn't been for God and that experience that I had, I wouldn't have recognized it. But, you know, we have to be aware that we have an enemy, and he has a lot of little demons out there trying to, uh, you know, attack you and trying to attach themselves to you or follow after you because that ran in your family line. And you have the authority over those things in the name of Jesus. You know, and even, even over your children. You know, a lot of times you might see these things in your children, too. And so I used to tell my kids, now, these were things that were weaknesses in our family line. And you need to stay away from these things, you know, and, and give them that instruction and that warning. Okay, and then Proverbs eleven thirteen, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Before you tell anything to anyone that's private to you, get to know that person's character first. Because if you don't, you're going to walk in a lot of fear that that person's going to blab their mouth at any minute to anyone. You know, so get to know that person first. And if you're a person that struggles with gossip, humble yourself and be honest and tell people, Please do not share anything with me that you want kept <laughs> Honestly, you know, because you run your mouth, that can cause a lot of destruction in people's lives. And a lot of us have been hurt because somebody else turned around and told us something that someone else said. And then you're locked into a box because you're not allowed to go and approach that person. You know, and let them know. Uh, so does that make sense? Okay. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So how does it make you feel when someone speaks to you with an angry tone? When you did nothing wrong. And even if you did, and someone speaks to you harshly, you know, it just brings that, causes that anger to rise up in you. And it's like you want to defend yourself. And uh, I had a time, like, my dad, I hate to talk about him, you know, he's, he's with the Lord, he repented of his sins, you know, 
And so I don't like to really um, speak badly, you know. But these are experiences that I had. And one of the things that my dad had, and even our whole family, was that quick temper, you know, and just uh, flying off at the mouth. You know, just saying things really angrily and, you know, making you feel like <coughs> running and hiding, you know, or that you were in trouble. And uh, so my mom and dad were staying with me. My mom had been in a coma and in the hospital for seven months, and we were taking care of her at my home. And the one morning I was making breakfast, and I asked my dad, what uh, pills does mom get? And he said, she gets this and this and this. And I said, okay. So after I finished up breakfast and everything, I had forgotten what he said. So I said, Dad, what pills does mom get? He goes, I told you, give her. And he just like, boom, 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 just like that to me. And he had talked to me like that all my life. And I never said a word, you know, because I respected my dad because I was afraid of him. And all of a sudden, it just poured out of my mouth. Don't you ever speak to me like that again. And he turned around, and honestly, I felt the Holy Spirit came up, come over me. And it was like, you must speak words of life to your children. And, you know, a lot of other things came out, and he went out the door, and then he came in, and my mom said to me, Connie, you know how Daddy is. And I said, yeah, I know how Dad is. And I said, I'm 40 years old. And I'm tired of being talked to like that. And at this time, all of us were saved, all three of us. And there were times that I talked to my kids too like that when I was younger because God had not, you know, freed me of that. But uh, it just came out that day. And so I left. And then when I came home, he left. And so, you know, that night... Uh, we didn't really say anything. And the next day, I went to his door and knocked on the door. And I said, Dad, I'm sorry for the way I talked to you. But I'm not sorry for what I said. And I believe that God wants to heal our relationship. And so the next night, that night when I came, Dad had came in and he's sitting there on the couch. I said, can we talk now? And I said, Dad, you know... And he started first. He goes, every night I pray and I ask God to forgive me for the way that I treated you kids. And that really helped me that he said that. And I said to him, I said, Dad, I forgive you for everything that you ever did to me. I said, but every time that you talk to me like that, it brings all of that back on me. And he sat there and he said, I can't help how I talk, you know. <laughs> and so then he gets up off the couch. He's got his head down. He's walking away like I beat him up. And, of course, I started feeling guilty because I had that talk with him. So the next day I called my older Christian friend and I said, you know, this is what happened. And now he's walking around and he's like mad. And she said, Connie. Did he get up, hang his head over, slump his shoulders, and go walking away? And I went, yeah. She goes, Connie, recognize the spirit. And I went, oh, Lord, that's what it is. You know, and so once I recognized that spirit, I said, you spirit of false guilt, I am not falling under you again because we walked in guilt constantly because we could never measure up. 
And so, you know, it was like God brought healing and he brought a freedom. And then like a week or two later, I'm there cooking and uh, my dad, he's standing there. And uh, I was in a good mood that day, <laughs> you know, so my dad's standing there and he said something real smart, and real sharp. And all of a sudden I realized that he spoke badly to me again. And so I turned to say something to him. He hightailed it out of that room. <laughs> he was gone. And my mom looked at me and I looked at her and we both smiled because we realized that daddy finally got it, that you cannot talk that way. And a lot of times we fear people and we fear approaching them and letting them know that the way that you talk to the, me and the words that you speak, they hurt me. You know, when really God is there saying, you know, you need to approach this. And even though it doesn't look like it's a good thing, and the reaction that you get might not be a good thing, you know, I'm going to work in the midst of it, and I'm going to work this thing out. You know, and my dad from then on, he walked and he treated me respectfully. You know, so God brought a healing through that. Okay, let's see. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. And so many times people feel like they got to turn around and say, so-and-so said this about you, or so-and-so said that. What's the purpose of that? Why do you need to run and say anything that's just going to add to the hurt and heartache that someone else has? Keep that thing to yourself. You don't have to always, you know, run and tell someone something, you know, because so many times things are already bad enough. Why add to it? In the scripture, do to others as you would have them to do to you. The second greatest commandment. Treat everybody the way that you want to be treated. You don't want people running around gossiping about you or saying things about you. So don't do that to other people. Proverbs 6.2, you are snared by the words of your mouth. Once you speak the words out of your mouth, you're bound to them. You know, in this scripture, uh, a young man had said, to his friend, you know, I'll be surety for your loan. If you can't pay it, I'll pay it. His mother said, you run after him and you break that. You know, get yourself out of that. But uh, we have to be careful the words that we say as believers because your word is your integrity. You know, it's your honor. And if you give your word to someone, then you need to keep that word. And uh, I was having struggles with my 12-year-old daughter and she was talking back to me, and I had disciplined her, and I took a party away from her, and she just begging me every day, Mom, please let me go, please let me go. And it was just really breaking me down and getting to me. And I called my older Christian friend, and she told me, Connie, how old is she now? And I said, she's 12. She said, well, when you say something to your kid or anyone, you're bound to your word. She said, and if you don't keep your word, they are not going to believe you when you say things. She said, so if you give in to her now at 12 years old, when she's 18, she'll say, my mom never kept her word anyway, so I'll just come in whatever time I want. You know, so she taught me, taught me a great thing that day because I was one of those moms that I would issue out a lot of threats. 
And then as time went on, I'd forget what kind of threat I made, you know, and then they would get away with it. So I wasn't being someone who was bound to my word. So I said, okay, since I'm forgetting, I'm just going to take and write it down on a paper. So I got myself a paper and I put on there, if you slam your door, daddy's taking it off. You know, if you leave your light on, then we're going to take the light bulb out and you won't have a light. You know, so it's like you, you try to come up with different things that are going to fit that. But when you say something with your mouth, you're bound to the words of your mouth. So if you cannot follow through and you cannot do what you're going to say, then don't say it. Because that's a snare to you. And, you know, uh, my grandchildren are here and my granddaughter does a wonderful job teaching them. And whenever you're giving um, a message, you know, you always want to have confirmations of that. And uh, so I was just waiting for a confirmation to uh, what I was going to share about words. And then uh, my grandchildren didn't know about it. So she said, you know, this is what uh, Grace got today whenever she was praying and asking God what he wanted to say to her. And uh, Grace had gotten, when people do wrong, to you, don't let hurtful words come out of your mouth. Your words are powerful. You can choose to speak life or death. Yeah, and so that little girl who's 11 <laughs> confirmed, you know, the word of the Lord. And so it's just so beautiful. Um, you know, the enemy tries to tell us that we can't hear God. But he says, my sheep hear my voice. You know, so he comes and he tries to tell us all of these lies. He's constantly speaking, whether it's just in your heart or he points out a scripture to you or someone else will say something and it'll remind you of someone else. So God is constantly speaking. And I encourage you to get yourselves a journal, read the scriptures and sit there and say, God, what do you want to say to me today? And just take and write it down. And so many times it feels like you're just talking to yourself, you know, but then you find these nuggets in the midst of those things that you're writing down. And you know, this was not me because I am not that smart. <laughs> this is God speaking to me, you know. And teach your children too. Have your children to do this. Those three kids got baptized in the Holy Spirit in one day because their mama taught them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then she told them, now you go in there and you pray until you get it. And then when they were struggling and kind of snickering a little, she goes, listen, this is important and you need this. I don't want you to leave that room until you get filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and three of them got filled with the Holy Spirit that day. So, I mean, this is what God wants us to do. But you got to be determined. You know, if you've been praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you don't have it, you need it. I mean, God put, it, put him there and provided that for us because we needed it. God always gives us those things that are necessary and needed to get us through this life and through this walk. And it just gives you strength. And sometimes you don't even know what to pray, but the Holy Ghost will travail through you, groanings and utterings through you, where you're praying that perfect, uh, perfect prayer to God. And after I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was uh, praying the one day. I was saved like six months. And um, I, was, I was praying the one day in my room. I started praying for my sister, and I started crying. And then I started praying for my brother. And when I started praying for my brother, I started praying in tongues really strong. And I was shocked because I wasn't used to that. And then I, uh, I, I said, God, wh what's wrong with my brother? 
And I went to sleep and I was troubled about my brother. And this was my first experience with travail. And the next evening, my brother had came out of the Marine Corps. He had bought himself a brand new black Trans Am. He was going to Maryland or somewhere to visit a girlfriend. And my sister and I were witnessing to him. And he goes, I believe everything you girls are saying. He said, but I've got places to go and things to do and I wanna be a millionaire one day. He said, so I have a lot of people I have to walk on to get there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just a young guy. And so uh, he tells us, I don't have time for God now. So he leaves, he goes on that trip. He calls us and he said that he was driving home. He said, I don't know if uh, a tire blew out or I fell asleep behind the wheel. He said, but I ended off, up off the road. My car flipped over three times. The first person there was a preacher. When I got out of my car, I had no shoes on and I had one scratch on my head. And that preacher said, young man, you are alive because God spared your life. And, um, and Russell said, and when I was in that car and it was going over and flipping over and over, he said, I felt a presence with me and I felt like I was going to be okay. And it kept going through my head. I don't have time for God now. I don't have time for God now. I don't have time for God now. So the night before was when I had that heavy travail and that intercession. And I didn't know what I was praying, but God did. And God spared my brother's life. So this is how this gift is important. And don't let the devil tell you, you can't have it. It's not for you. It's not going to happen. You get in there in that word and you write down every scripture that has to do with the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you start confessing with your mouth, God, this is mine. God, I believe your word. And God, I am getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I had to get to that place where I said, I believe this and I am being filled. And the very night that I said that to God, and I said, but first, I'm going to get my scriptures, write them all down and everything. And I believe this, and I am going to get filled. And then I just started praising Jesus and telling him, I love you, Jesus. And every time I said it, I meant it more. Next thing I knew, I was speaking in tongues. And I didn't have to look up a scripture. <laughs> yeah. So God is so good. He's just looking for faith because faith is what pleases him. Okay, whoever keeps his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account of every careless word they speak. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. So, you know, when you read those scriptures and it talks about that, you need to just take and examine your heart and say, are these things that are coming out of me? Okay. And then in Ephesians, you know, it talks about um, to not let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. No lies. Uh, it says not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. How do we show anger? We show anger through our words and through our actions. And then um, what anger does, you know, uh, we show it through words and actions. It can lead to unforgiveness. And if you have unforgiveness... It will give the devil a foothold, and when you give him a foothold, it opens the door for the devil to torment your mind. Mm -hmm. And whenever you allow that to happen, you turn into a bitter person, and then everybody that you're around, when that person comes up and you start talking about them, 
you're going to vomit all over them and defile those people too. So you have to watch the words that you speak. And then we can use our, our words for good, you know, proclaiming the gospel, worshiping Jesus, praying, praying with one another. Uh, you know, there's just so many, uh, uh, just speaking uh, a good word to someone, uh, walking alongside someone and helping them and uh, helping to carry them through, through your encouragement and through your actions too. And so... Um, in Acts 3.19, it says, Repent then and turn to God so your sins will be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So once you do that, repentance, refreshing comes. And it says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So let's pray, okay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you are a loving Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus, that um, you care enough for us to correct us, Lord, to show us those areas where uh, we need help in, Lord. Thank you for revealing us tonight, to us tonight through your word, just those areas of the words of our mouth where we could be slipping and falling into and giving us uh, that reminder to keep a guard over our mouths. Lord, let our words of our mouth and our hearts be acceptable to you, O oh God. Uh, we break any curse that we have spoken over ourselves, and we break any curses that we have spoken over anyone else or any curse that anyone has spoken over us through the blood of the Lamb and through your word, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would bless uh, your children, Lord, your women, Father, your powerful warrior women, that you would bless them and anoint them, Father. And, Lord, cause them uh, to just walk in this world uh, being vessels of honor and integrity and love and power in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Connie. Wow. Is that much else?